song right. Blog Talk Radio. Hit the button. I don't really understand. Don't really understand this. No matter what, how many times I try to start this show, and I've, we've done what three hundred shows probably over the last five years, showing two hundred shows. Yeah. Why can I still not get the damn intro to work correctly? Because you're technologically uh, ignorant. That's why you can't get the show to start. <laughs> I get it to start, and I can't get the intro to go. I wouldn't say I would. I would go with more of impaired, but fair enough. Seven <laughs> Sean Sports Radio <laughs> Show. Sean calling it. Seth's calling in from uh, beautiful, rainy uh, Hoboken, New Jersey. The kid's crawling around under the dining room table. The dog's jumping on the couch. The wife is back teaching at school. And I'm just sitting here chilling, waiting for the U.S. Open to start. Mr. Palmer is having a slightly more interesting day. Uh, Where are you today? Oh, not yet. Uh, I am, uh, yeah, it's like where in the world is Sean K. Palmer? Yeah, where in the world is Sean K. Palmer? Uh, right now, I am. Sing it, Dickie. Yeah, well, we have a little delay because of the time difference. Because I am in Hong Kong, um, in southern China. I'm looking over the Hong Kong Sea as the sun comes up at 7 a.m. on Wednesday morning. So. Hello from Hong Kong, ladies and gentlemen. So now the show has taken place both in Australia and in Hong Kong. So uh, it's pretty cool to be able to do this. And the sun is beautiful today. Uh, We had a typhoon on Saturday. It was a beautiful, uh, sorry, Sunday, a beautiful welcome gift to to Hong Kong. And unfortunately, my my jump got canceled for Sunday. Uh, Hopefully, we'll be jumping today. Um, it's a bungee jump off the world's largest bungee jump. It's a 944 feet. Really looking forward to that. And, um, yeah, so we had rain a couple of days, probably much like you're seeing in Hoboken right now. And then the last two days have been absolutely beautiful, and we're supposed to have another beautiful day today. So good for me. And then on Friday, I head off to Beijing, China. So it is an interesting couple of weeks for Sean Palmer. Seth, we've had... It's always, it is, it an is always inter- an interesting couple of weeks for Sean Palmer. It's not no longer a particularly interesting few weeks for Seth Kamen, but that's okay. You have a kid. It's always an interesting couple of weeks for Seth Kamen. Well, Mr. Kamen was in Montreal this weekend. He got to see the Bell Center. Unfortunately, the, the guided tour, they kind of told us that they weren't, there weren't any, and there were. So welcome to the life of married guy. Um, but good time in a beautiful city. So there's, we, could run, we could probably run a four-hour show without commercials today. Between the, the boxing match, whatever you want to call it, exhibition last on Saturday night, we're going to talk some fantasy football. We'll talk a little – we'll talk – well, first got to get – the dime out of my son's mouth, and then we'll go back to talking about the, um, you know, we'll talk about hur- the hurricane down in Texas, the impact, you know, that the players are having, and the not so um, wonderful move made by the made by I believe was the Texas Rangers, um, and we have the U.S. Open. So where do you want to? We'll, we'll probably run fantasy starting around 7:30, I would think. So where do you want to start off? Yeah, our fantasy will consist basically of sleepers this year because 
Look, we do a full fantasy preview every single year. It gets drawn out. There are lots of injuries already. So we're going to go through sleepers. We're going to go through a little bit of bust that we think, and that'll be the end of it. Uh, we're not going to do a full fantasy show that we've done in the past because, quite frankly, we could go through every single team and do the normal blah, 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 blah. But if you wanted that, you could talk to us next week when we do our NFL preview. So, and we still haven't come up with the time for that because Seth and I both have fantasy football drafts on Tuesday at the same time as the show. So we have to figure out a time for the for the show for next week. Okay, moving on. Let's start with the U.S. Open. And I understand me starting with the U.S. Open is like saying that Conor McGregor should box. Wait a second, he did that. But um, Okay, anyway. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, he'll be in Beijing at the Beijing Comedy Club in, well, I guess a couple of days. Hey, I was in the Hong so Kong Karaoke Club. Club last night, so don't even go there. It it does happen. Um, so, Maria Sharapova, welcome back. Are you happy about not this? No, uh, not bad. I, I, I was happy. <laughs> yeah, I was happy. You know what? She served her year and a half. We've discussed we've discussed this a while ago about the, you know, whether she should have gotten the full two years, just that, the other thing. It was a, I got to see the end of the match uh, with Simona Halep, who was a number two seed. And again, in a, in a, in a U.S. Open without Serena Williams, there is not much name power, draw power there. And it's probably, Sharapova won in a, in, a, in a legitimate three-set thrill over someone who has been extraordinarily critical of her um, regarding – in regards to her, two, her year and a half slash two-year uh, – year and a half slash two-year suspension. Um, to see her crying on the court was pretty interesting after her win. She's not exactly known as an emotional person. It's good for – the reality is it's good, and here's why. No one is. There are about three people in the in the women's draw who will who, who people will, who non-casual people will turn in turn on to watch. If that, and Maria Sharapova is one of them. Actually, she's the only one. Probably in America, if you can get an American player, they'll turn in to watch her, whether it's Sloane Stevens or Madison Keys or whoever it is. But short of that, or Venus Williams for that matter, you pretty much you have Marina, Venus Williams. You have Maria Sharapova, and there is your name. Pat, Pat, your name; those are your names on on the women's side. So you need this for tennis, because otherwise, no one is going to watch, except for the diehard tennis fans. Nobody, no casual fan is going to watch the women's game without her winning. So unfortunately, that's where we are at this point. Yeah, and they got what they needed, and they got the win. So good for her, and I, I was very happy for her. She, like I said, you pay your penance, you, you should be able to come back. And there shouldn't be any repercussion against that. She's always going to have that black mark against her, but good for her. And uh, who knows if this will last past the first round, but you know what? Uh, sorry, second round, correct? Second round? Uh, well, she made the, she won the first round, so she will be competing in the oh, second it was round. The first round. But she may sorry. very well be just about yeah, – yesterday was the first uh, – Yesterday was the first, as Jake can, Jake can apply, as he pulls himself into his own stroller, which is interesting. Um, yesterday was the first day of the tournament. So, okay, fair enough. Um, 
So, so moving on to bigger and better things about people that have what reportedly have dissed other people, let's move on to the Astros and Houston. Uh, Astros and the Rangers. So the, Rangers. the story goes that the game, the games were supposed to be played in Houston. Those that are unaware of what's going on in Houston right now should not be listening to this radio station, or rather should be looking online <laughs> and checking out the horrors that is going on there. And even from afar, it's mortifying to see what's going on in Houston right now, and very sad indeed with the flooding and whatnot. But that's another story. So there was supposed to be a three-game series in, in uh, Minute Maid Park which I still think is called Minute Maid Park, maybe not, whatever the Houston Astros play. And they were playing the Texas Rangers, and the Texas Rangers have a series at home against the Houston Astros at the end of September. And the Astros asked the Rangers, would you swap the series and play at home this time and away at the end of the season? And the Rangers said no. Seth, I don't have a problem with them saying no. Bad PR? It's bad form, but as far as competitive edge, I don't have a problem with what they did. Do you really see that big of a problem? They're, they play in a neutral site. That's that's what they should be doing anyway. I think it's a little classless. I mean, let's be honest here. The, first of all, the PR hit's enormous. It's not tiny. And it's not... I mean, the, the rationale behind it is this, the city is going through its probably a worst, well, it's the worst natural disaster, obviously, of its lifetime. I, I, have trouble, I have trouble fathoming why this is an issue. This supersedes sports, and yes, from a competitive nature, is it the best thing? Of course not. From a human nature, it certainly is. I mean, it's almost silly to me. So... I, I'm a little nonplussed by the whole thing, especially in an organization that's as classy as that's, that's you know been thought of as pretty cla- as classy as Texas. John, you know, with John Daniels and Nolan Ryan, I find it really surprising and a bit disappointing, to be perfectly honest. Okay, uh, I I I find it disappointing. I don't necessarily. Uh, first of all, I believe Nolan Ryan now works for the Rangers, so. There's that. I'm um, looking that up right now because I know that his his um, son is actually the GM of the Rangers. So I uh, sorry. Uh, I think they work for the Astros. Oh, no one, Ryan. For some reason, they can't. Interesting. Okay. Anyway, so I don't have a problem with it. They're gonna go play in St. Petersburg. The Astros didn't want to give up. Uh, the Rangers didn't want to give up the series at the end of the year, where they would have to be on the road two full weeks in the, and they're fighting for a playoff spot. Look, the PR hit, yeah, it, it's pretty big. I, I won't begrudge you that. But competitively, this is the right move to make. Well, it, it absolutely well, com- is the well, right again, move to make. If, you, if competitive, if competitive trumps the humanity aspect, then yeah, it is what it is. And I completely understand. I just don't think it does. But again, I also under I do understand that people are paid to you know these people are paid to make the playoffs. You know they're athletes, so anything that's a disadvantage to them, you know, which if Texas loses, 
misses the wild card by a game. And, well, it's not Ron Washington. Who's the coach? Is it Jeff Burroughs? I, I forget. Jeff Burroughs? Sean, that's your who the Who's the Texas Rangers Jeff coach? Bur- I don't know where I Texas Jeff Burroughs from. Manager? Yes, the manager. Uh, hold on. Looking that up. Because I totally, I'm totally blanking right now. By the way, Nolan Ryan um, works for the Astros. Not for the Rangers anymore. Wow. I've, in 2014. But he beat up Robin Ventura yeah. as, a member of the, uh, as a member of the Rangers, correct? Can you give me that? Yeah, that he did. So the manager for is Jeff Bannister right now for the Rangers. So it's Jeff Bannister. Okay, Jeff. Okay. And for, All right, so I was, I was in the ballpark. <laughs> but the idea <laughs> he misses the game. You have the right first game. Good luck. Hey, I've done worse. I've made bigger mistakes than that on this. You know, he's – but where I was going with it was he is somebody you – know, his job is to make the playoffs. His job is to win World Series. So I understand the thought process that, okay, you know, they miss the playoffs by a game because they don't do this and this and they don't do this. He could be out of a job. So I understand the philosophy, but, I, but you know, I would like to think that – this is the rare time where competition is kind of trumped for the better, but you no, know, I, I understand why they did it. I just don't particularly agree with it. All right. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So let's move on to your favorite subject, the Mayweather Conor McGregor fight. So number one, did you watch the fight? No. Are you upset you no. didn't watch the fight in retrospect? No. Okay. I'll be honest. There was four fights on there. I forget who the fourth one. The third one was Badoo Jack versus Nathan Cleverly would have been the fight that I would have wanted to see. Um, the, the, the lineup stunk. You know, the other, the co, whatever you want to call it. I don't want to say a co-main event because it wasn't a co-main event, but the fight below it, the guy, the person who was defending his title missed weight by several pounds. And to be perfectly honest, as I, you know, I, I've said all along, and you know me, I'm a huge boxing fan, and I like MMA. I like the, the MMA. I like UFC. This fight did nothing for me. I for the life, they're, they're two loud, obnoxious guys. One is a boring, you know, I've never enjoyed, like, forgetting liking or disliking Mayweather, I've never enjoyed watching him fight. Conor, McG- Conor McGregor lost an MMA fight two fights ago, three fights ago. I mean, what exactly is the draw of this? Two loudmouths? Great. A boring, a boring boxer who knocked out his first fighter in seven years with a, a guy, versus a guy who has a professional record of zero and zero. Good for him. Hope he stays retired. Wow. Tell us how you really feel. You asked me about... Yeah. You asked me about this a couple months ago. I did. And you've known me for many years. You know I'm a pretty big boxing guy. And and I told you, I said, I am going to mention this fight as little as possible because I have no interest in it. I won't watch it. Now, to be fair, I was was in, in, in a hotel room in Montreal... And I was following it on Twitter just to see, just to see the analysis of it. And it was kind of, it was, 
for all intents and purposes, what I expected. You know, he, it was a guy, my guess is, again, not having seen it, so I can't give you, my guess is Mayweather gave him a round or two, which is what I figured he'd do, because you knew McGregor would come out early because of adrenaline and because he's not built to fight a 12-round fight because he's never done it before. And, you know, whether Mayweather just let him kind of go through or just kind of let him win a couple rounds before feeling him out, which is what he does a lot of times with fighters. I had absolutely no interest in it. I, I was more fascinated to read the Facebook updates afterwards. Ever, the one thing I, do, I am happy about is it may have brought some new fans to boxing. That, and with a huge boxing match coming up in two weeks, three weeks, that's good for boxing. The rest of it I don't care about. Okay, so I watched the fight, the entirety of the fight. So in the middle of the, the typhoon that was here in Hong Kong, I decided to venture out and made a left, and I came upon a bar for breakfast. Yummy, yummy cinnamon French toast. Unbelievable cinnamon French toast. And then in front of me is, coming up next, McGregor Mayweather. I was like, wow, I got the fight. That's pretty cool for somebody that wasn't planning on doing anything all day. And so I watched it, and your synopsis is pretty spot on. I mean... Mayweather gave him a round or two, but look, Conor McGregor looked really good for a couple of rounds. I'm not saying he was a champion by any stretch, but he looked good. But here's here's a question for you, and I think there's two questions. Number one, nobody knows who's boxing in two weeks. So how did this fight make that fight any better? That's number one. Number two, do you think Conor McGregor will box or go back in the octagon next? I think he goes back into the octagon next because there's no boxing. There's no. There's nothing for him. There's no one for him to fight. I think in boxing, there's no. There's nobody there. I mean, he's not going to fight. He's a, he's a champion at two divisions. In in the UFC, he is a nothing in boxing. Call it what it is. He's an 0-1 fighter who fought a gallant fight out of what I assume. Because the one thing I will, I, will, I will not say is the dude doesn't have heart. He's got an overabundance of it. But, so I don't think, I don't think he'll fight against, I don't think the fight is there. Because I don't, the only thing I can think of, and this would be pretty funny, is actually comes to the next where you're going, why is, what's the big fight in a couple of weeks and why could it may it draw a little bit more? Well, the only boxer we've really mentioned over the last couple of years is Triple G. And he has finally his biggest fight. It's the biggest fight in boxing. Triple G versus Canelo Alvarez, who we saw fight Mayweather years ago. Now, they're combined, I think, 80 and 1. Now, the winner of that is the undisputed middleweight champion of the world. Would I be surprised if McGregor started running his mouth so he could fight at 160 instead of at 150 or whatever, 147, whatever he fought? Can't hurt him to do it. It's going to be, you know, it won't be the Mayweather draw, but it, would, it, could very well be, but it could very well be a draw bigger than anything he could get in the UFC. So that's the only way I could see him fighting and bo- see him boxing again. And... 
But, you know, to me, Triple G is probably the biggest name in boxing right now. And this is his big – and Alvarez is probably the second biggest name. So this is what you got. You have a, lo, a sport that's become a lower-tier sport, and here are your two big names. Now, if boxing – And those are two guys – and those are two guys I have never heard of, <laughs> ever. Well, that's a, well, actually, that's mentioned, just, first of all, we saw Alvarez fight. Canelo we Alvarez, we saw him fight Mayweather. We went to the bar, we went to the bar with Nabate. Oh, that was that fight. The last that Mayweather fight. boring fight I watched. Yeah, got it. Okay. Every Mayweather boring fight is boring. Mayweather's an awful fighter This to one watch. was not. No, this one was not boring. Believe it or not, this was not a boring fight. This was an because, entertaining yeah, fight. No, now, because Mayweather had to come to hit him. He did. He couldn't just he, he Mayweather was attacking when you never see Mayweather right. attack. Well, he was attacking because at 41, he doesn't quite have the speed or the defensive acumen that he once had. So he was going to have to. So it was expected that he probably, plus when you're fighting, when you're boxing somebody who's never boxed before, this often happens where you would go on the attack because he, look, I don't like him. I've never enjoyed watching him fight. I think he avoided some of the best fighters in the world. But he's an extraordinarily smart fighter. So what what McGregor said in the in the press conference was probably true, where he was prepared for the first game plan and a little bit of the second game plan, but had, was, had no, was not matched up at all, was no, had no way idea how to deal with the third game plan. And that's what Mayweather can do, because Mayweather is extremely adept and is an extraordinarily good boxer. I just find him unwatchable and unlisten- and I can't listen to him talk. But let me from a boxing let me ask you something. he's phenomenal. Let me ask you something. So... We have a personal conduct policy in the NFL. We have a personal conduct policy in Major League Baseball. We have a personal conduct policy in the NHL. We have a personal conduct policy in the NBA. Floyd Mayweather could not exist in any of those sports with what he has done in his background. Not one. He probably would have been suspended for life. With, with the problems that he has had with women and with violence. Why is it that we're still talking about this guy? And I don't mean we, we as in you and I, but in general, how is he still allowed and why is he still allowed to do what he does without any mention of it whatsoever? Because there's no overall boxing board you have four different you have four different championships four different companies four different sets of rules and if you you know if if, if one of them didn't want Mayweather all they would lose was they'd lose the draw of him the problem is it's a sport it's always been the bad boy sport you know, was Mike Tyson the best boxer in the world at any point? Probably not. Was he the most famous? Oh well, it's not even not even a doubt. And we, and whether you, 
whether he did or he didn't do what, whatever you want to say, he certainly wasn't an angel. I mean, think about what the, what the sport actually is. Pugilism is people beating each other up at the end of the day. So it's not a sport for angels. It's not a, you know, you're not going to get, for the most part, you're, you're, gonna, you're not going to get, you know, the, the Harvard graduates are not, are, not, are not going to play, are not going to box. So, you, you know, but the reason is because he is charismatic. He is undefeated. Now, being undefeated doesn't mean very, as much in boxing as it does in other sports. Or it doesn't mean it. I mean, good example. Does any? I mean, you're you're a certainly knowledgeable football fan. Does anyone really? Do, how many people do you know consider the '72 Dolphins the greatest team of all time? None, zero. Exactly. And why is that? They were undefeated. They, they weren't lose. a dominant. No, they weren't a dominant team. They were well. I wouldn't have gone that that way, route, but yeah, they they were not a dominant team. They were not better than the Niners, most likely, or the Steelers. They were a very good team that made a run. Now, look, he's a great fighter, but he never fought. He didn't fight the best fighters in his prime in their primes. Whether he did that because he's a really smart guy, or whether he did that to protect the record, nobody's ever going to know. But. That is, that is what it is. But that doesn't answer. But and, that doesn't answer the question why he can still fight. I mean, why people still give him? Why, because they want to see him lose. It's the Howard Stern. Why do people listen? Like, why do people who love him? How long was it in the movie Private Party? How long do people who love him listen to him? For an hour to hear what he's going to say next. How long do people who hate him listen to him? For two hours. Why? Because they want to see what he's going to do next. In a sport, look, it was, it's a sport with, with, no, with very few charismatic Americans in it. It's a sport with very few. Um, it's a sport that's completely, that is, you know, considered to be completely corrupt in, in, every, in every stage. It is just, it is a sport that at one point, was the high, was along with basketball the biggest sport in the world, and now barely has a second tier. Is barely a second tier sport. So the reason that people watch him, the reason is because he is a he is a an undefeated charismatic guy in a sport where the, the charisma doesn't exist. Where, where these two things don't exist together. That's it. It's certainly not to watch him fight because yes, he may have been entertaining on on Saturday night, but he has never. Even I think his biggest fans would never call him an extraordinarily exciting fighter to watch. Well, we'll get that from the Batayals next week because he is the Floyd supporter number one, at least in his boxing. So we'll we'll get what when we claim our victory belt next week. We'll we'll make sure to ask him. I'm sure he'll give us um, the old number one. Um, okay, so <laughs> 727 AM and PM, depending on where you are on the planet. And it's time for our fantasy f- football preview. And if Seth knew how to operate the board, we'd have some music to go along with it. 
Yeah, no. Not going to be that way this year. So, no. Ezekiel Elliott, I'm going to throw out topics. And you tell me your first thought and where this guy goes in your draft. And we'll both do PPR and non-PPR leagues. Ezekiel Elliott. Okay. Third round, both leagues. No higher, no no lower. He's he's a straight third round pick. I think so. Um, you can't take him higher because he's missing half the season. And to take him, low, he's just not going to go lower because he's as equally he is a cowboy. I'm assuming I believe that the suspension will be dropped probably to four games. So for me, you know, in a league. In, in, a, in a league where you have, if you have a keeper who is a running back, you know, like I do with, with even when we both do with Le'Veon Bell, but I do with another, in my other league with Le'Veon Bell, it's worth it to make a run to him in the third. Because if I can go two and four or three and three my first six games and then have a stud running, have, have a stud running back, uh, have Bell and Elliott to, to make, the, what, to, uh, what do you call it? to finish the last seven games of the year, I feel like I'm in very, very good shape. Okay. Chris Hogan. Um, certainly a lot more attractive than he was a week ago. But I always get, I always get a little antsy with New Orleans, with, excuse me, with New England wide receivers. Um, between Amendola Cooks, Gronkowski. Still, probably say eighth or ninth round, if that high. Okay. I'm which, curious to hear your thoughts. Which brings up, which which brings up my next guy, and then I'll I'll, I'll give you my thoughts. Braden Cooks. Cooks jumps to a second round pick. I think Cooks was probably a third rounder. I think this will probably move him up to two because not only is he a burner, but he is a good hands guy. So I think he, I mean, he was the number, he was the 1A before this. He's certainly the number one now. And with Gronkowski, you can never really be sure how long his health is going to, is going to be maintained. So if I have a pick at the end of the second round, I would very seriously consider him. Okay. I think Hogan moves up to a fifth pick, fifth round, fifth or sixth. I think he's a starting wide receiver wow. in a PPR league. And in a non-PPR league, I do not. I, I I think touchdowns are a little hard to come by in that in that New England offense. But I think Chris Hogan gets sixty balls this year, if not more. Uh I don't think they trust Amendola at all to stay healthy. Uh Cooks agreed. Look, there are enough balls there there's there are enough balls to go around. So I think he he gets fifty to sixty, maybe five, six touchdowns. I think he can start especially in a three wide wait, receiver but- league. But you just actually, to you, 50 or 60 catches is worth a fifth-round pick? To me, a fifth-round pick is Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall is going to – if Brandon Marshall has 60 catches, the Giants have severely are going to be severely disappointed. Yeah. To me, a fifth- or well, sixth-round pick is a guy who's, prob- as you said, probably a starter. So I'm thinking 70 yep. to 80 catches and eight to nine touchdowns. Well, how many players got eight to nine touchdowns last year? 
I don't think you're looking at many. Whatever it is, I say higher. I would seven. So I just so I just gave I just gave Hogan six to seven. So if he so if he goes ten more catches and say sixty catches and eight touchdowns, that's that's in your ballpark. Look, Brandon Marshall gets a hundred catches in the second round. Do you think that's a number two wideout, a guy with 60 catches and eight touchdowns? No, I said number three wideout, actually. Okay, but if you're drafting the starting rounds. True. That's true. So maybe a, maybe a sixth round. Maybe a sixth round. I don't like Cooks as much as most people do. I, I don't know why. Do you think I he's going to have the Chad a, Johnson-esque where he comes, where he comes into this – he comes into New England and just can't pick up the system? No. No, I don't. But I don't think he's going to have 100 catches either. I don't think anybody in that system does. And like you said except before. For Gron- except for Gronkowski. Yeah. Well, Gronkowski has never had 100 catches. He's had high 90s. And if he stays healthy, he's certainly in the running. Right. So if Gronkowski is the number one, Cooks is the number two, and Hogan's the number three, yeah, I think Hogan's a third-round pick. I don't think he's any more than that. He'd be um, a, number th- a number three wide, not a third-round pick. Sorry, I meant Cooks is a number th- third-round pick. I said okay, I meant right, Cooks. So the end of second. Cooks so, is third round. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. So let me throw another name at you, Legarrette Blunt. Oh. What about Zeke? Oh, Zeke. I- I'm agreeing with you, a third-round pick, and I might actually pick him up myself in the third round. I agree with you. I think he could be if, – if the suspension goes to four games, which many people will not know, I think he could be a low second if it's a four-game suspension. Agreed. Six games, especially in a keeper league, I think keeper league, four games, second-round pick, if you can pick him up. But like I said, most people will not know that by the time of the draft. So, Okay. Um, LeGarrette Blunt. Jeez. At one point, he wasn't they weren't even no, sure he was going to make the team. Well, there's no Ryan Matthews anymore. There's, no, I mean, I guess their starting running back is, uh, what's this, Smallwood. Um, is it? Or is, is it LeGarrette exactly Blunt? Probably a platoon. I mean, to me... Blunt is kind of that that you know that seventh, that eighth round, ninth round, tenth round guy, maybe a little higher without Matthews, maybe seventh round. Um, I mean, look, he had a lot of touchdowns last year. His average, in you know, I, I had him in one of my leagues. His average per yard, his yards per average were not great. His nothing about it was great. He had a lot of one yard plunges, and if he was that good, New England would have made some version of an effort to resign him. I don't disagree with you. Okay. Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt is probably a third-round pick right now, maybe fourth. Um, he is going to be the starting running. Now, he's going to be the starting, starting running back for, for the Kansas City Chiefs, a team that does have – an interesting it has an interesting offense and has an inter, it's a very diversified offense between their tight end and Kelsey. You know, they've gone for the speed wideouts with Tyreek Hill. Um, 
I'm forgetting another name off the top of my head. I know they cut Macklin, but they're a running team first and foremost. And Hunt, you know, as a rookie, I don't know exactly what to expect when you, but when you're pretty much the unequivocal, you know, starter for a playoff team that really based on runs, unless he gets injured or really, I, I think he'll, I think he's going to be fine. I, th- I think you're looking at a third-round pick. Marshawn Lynch. Oh, man. Um, seems a little bit weird you take a rookie for the third-round pick. You take Marshawn Lynch with a fourth or a fifth. But, I mean, that's kind of where I see him at this point. Yeah, probably, yeah. He's kind of in that Frank Gorish, I'm past my prime. You know, I, luckily I have a good. You know, I came back for whatever reason. I decided to come back. I now have a good line. I have a good offense. You know, I have a good quarterback, good wideouts. They're going to be able to keep keep everything open for me. So no one's going to be. I'm never. I'm not going to be the. I'm not going to be really. You know, the person everyone's going to be relying on per se. And I'll get my probably thousand yards and eight touchdowns or ten touchdowns. But you know, I. You know, having been off for a year. I don't – he's a hard guy for me to take. I would probably say fifth round, but I wouldn't be too enthused. Well, so you think that Kareem Hunt, you just had 1,000 yards and 8 to 10 touchdowns. That's a great season for a running back, especially in the world of platoons. Marshawn Lynch is the that unequivocal is starter. Unequivocal starter. There's nobody else. Yeah, I, I I don't even know who their backup is. Their backup is Richard, I think. I mean, since Latavius Murray is yep. now in Minnesota. Um, I think that maybe my numbers are a bit high because I think look, Cars throws for a lot of touchdowns. They have two solid receivers in Crabtree and Cooper. I don't know. He doesn't catch the ball on the backup. Maybe it's one of those that – in a, in a PP in a non PPR because all my leagues are PPR, so I think more in a PPR capacity. He necessarily doesn't really catch the ball very much out of the backfield. So I think my I think maybe more in a non PPR, three to four, maybe a third to fourth round, and maybe in a PPR fourth to fifth. Okay, I I'm much more bullish on on Marshawn Lynch than you are. I think he's the Lynch. second to third round pick. Yeah, what I say. I thought I said Marshawn Lynch. Anyway, a second yeah. and third round pick. I I think that he is going to have a great year. I really do. I don't think the one year layoff is really going to hit him. I think that line we saw. Look, he's not Ezekiel Elliott, but you've seen good players with great offensive lines have phenomenal years. Phenomenal years. So I think he's a second and third round pick. If you're in a keeper league, I think you have to draft him actually lower because I think you're using up a keeper slot um, in the second round. But I really like him. I think that I wouldn't be surprised if my running backs in one league are Ezekiel Elliott, Marshawn Lynch, and Todd Gurley, given that I have Gurley in the fourth round. I wouldn't be surprised if I went Elliott, Lynch in the second and third and then had – uh, Gurley in the fourth, which would go along with my strategy of of selecting nine running backs in every league. But 
and then trying to make a trade and nobody wants to make trades. I think trades are the hardest thing to do in the NFL, in, in fantasy football. I don't know about you. I think that everybody wants the Herschel Walker deal. Everybody wants a deal where they are unequivocally uh, the better yeah, side I've of a made... trade. The only way you – I remember the, the biggest trade I ever made about eight years ago where I traded, I want to say Fitzgerald, Cutler, and like Steve Smith for Aaron Rodgers. And with the thought that I had every position I needed covered except I needed a quarterback to win it. So I, I gave up a lot, and I, it, it did me fine. I mean, I didn't win, but it was, it was I lost to this, in this, to this day. I still rolled my eyes at the Drew Brees-Reggie Bush combination for 100 points in the semis. Damn you, Russ. Um, but, you know, I didn't mind taking a look. You know, I didn't get the better end of the deal, but the only way you can really make a trade is your A. As you said, it's very difficult because everyone also has the same information. The not very, the very little, you know, fantasy has become so big that it's very difficult to find really distinct edges. I think anywhere. So, you know, the people who you could take advantage of five years ago, the guys who drafted Mike Vanderjack in the third round, or drafted, you know, a Dante Culpepper three rounds before he should have gone, those days are gone. I mean, for all intents and purposes, you might as well you're dry, Three quarters of people's draft board might as well just be an auto draft from Yahoo, and it wouldn't. It would be no. There'd be no difference. So, I just completely lost my train of thought. But I'm assuming there was some kind of logic in there. So, oh, you were talking about trades. Well, we were ta- so. we were talking about trades. So, I think the only way that you can make a trade in fantasy football is trading different positions. You're never going to trade the same position, right? You're never going to trade. A, I'm, go, I'm aging myself. You're never going to sit, trade a Larry Fitzgerald for a Brandon Marshall. It's just not going to happen. And you're also never going to make, Seth, I think the trade that you made is an anomaly, a three for one. Because I think people just won't do it. They won't trade the best player in the deal. I think the only trades that are made in fantasy football are two for twos, where you're basically getting the better quarterback and the worst wide receiver for the better wide receiver and the worst quarterback or some semblance of that. I think those are the only trades that are made because you can actually look at it apples to apples and oranges to oranges and say, I'm decreasing my productivity in one position, but I'm increasing my productivity in another position. I think that was the only way you can make a trade. I think your trade was a flat-out anomaly. And I'm shocked well, it was yeah, made. it was. It was. And I did it knowing, cumulatively, I was getting the worst of the deal because, I, because of the way my team was set up. I was okay with that. I could afford to lose two of my top four wideouts. So... You know, I kind of, if I remember correctly, and it's been a while, I think I gave him his, you know, I gave him Fitz, and I think I gave him his choice of one or two, one out of two wideouts. I think a trade was a guy from Charlotte, so I think I gave him Steve Smith, actually, and I threw in whoever my quarterback was. And he said to me, he goes, "Look, is it the best deal in the world?" He goes, "I can't, he goes, you know, his team was like three and seven, or something like three and five, and he's like, I needed some kind of spark. This gives me an entirely new lineup. We'll see what happens. He ended up making the playoffs." 
Um, so it worked for both teams. I mean, as I said, I lost in the semis. Exactly, Jake. It broke my heart also. Until this year when everything just came up roses. But, um, you know, it, you know but very, it's the biggest trade I remember in the league, and we've had that league for 15 years. Okay. I'm going to throw out a couple more guys, and you tell me what you think about them. Any player on the Jets? Uh, Is there a player on the Jets worth drafting? Is there a player on the Jets worth drafting? That's a who? Yeah. Who? Worth drafting somewhere. Bilal Powell's worth drafting somewhere. I wouldn't say very high, but someone look. You're going to score somewhere. You're going to get you're going to get points somewhere. You're not going to go oh for the season. I mean, you're not the Kansas City Royals. So I mean, you're, <laughs> you know, well played. Thank you. You know, I mean, am I jumping to take them? No, but like ninth, tenth, eleventh round, if you can get a starter, you do that. Same with the, the wideout with Anderson. You know, 11th, 12th, 13th round. He's a, he's a number one wideout. Am I am I jumping for joy? Like I have, I drafted Richie Anderson in one of my leagues. Got him in the 15th round. Was I jumping for joy that he was available? Not really, but he was a number. He's a number one wideout on a team that doesn't have any. So he'll probably get me 60 catches and five touchdowns. You know, for you know, a very very spot starter. That's all I need. That's all I need from him. Um, you know, if Richard Todd is available, maybe I'll take him. uh, Thanks. Are there any starting quarterbacks that you are staying away from a hundred percent? They're on your no draft board. Um, I mean, I don't think you can take a Jeff quarterback. I, 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 I don't know how you take McCown. Unless you're, again you're in a two QB league, and you just kind of want to see, you just want to pretty much hold all the quarterbacks you can. Um, who, who would do I such a thing? Particularly big. I can't imagine. Uh, I it's pretty difficult. Even with Sean McVay, it's pretty difficult to like Jared Goff. Um, their wideouts are terrible. They lost their best one in Britt, and you know they brought in Sammy Watkins who is, you know, has never lived up to the expectation is a fair way to put it. Okay. So Would apparently you, Jakey feels the same way. Do you believe in Tom Savage? <laughs> do I, as a, as what, as a, as a number two starter? Yes. I would probably draft him late, but would also would probably would not be surprised if I drafted Deshaun Watson as well. I mean, it's hard. I believe in Savage. Sorry, guys. Hold on. There we go. I believe in. I don't particularly believe in Savage, but Houston seems to more now than they did when they drafted Deshaun. So. But I'm, I'm not running – Jesus. I'm not running to draft them. Let's put it that way. 
Who's the wide receiver that you must have? Besides Antonio Brown. I'm not giving you that one. <laughs> no, that one's too easy. Um, Jordy Nelson, who's going to get me. Okay. I know I, I can write in a 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns if he's healthy. So is he our guy? Is he the guy we go get? Don't know. Got to see who's kept first. True. Wonder when those lists Mar- are coming Marshawn, out. They should be coming. Is Marshawn Lynch What's the, that? Uh, the guy, the running back we go? Is Marshawn Lynch the running back we're going after? We don't really need to go after a running back. That's the beauty of our team. No, we, we need to go after a wide receiver. Yeah, the beauty of our team is the fact that, according to the according to the Matthew Berry, Mister Roto, the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show has three of the top nine fantasy PPR players. <laughs> we we are spoiled in riches, which gives me another question: Tevin Coleman, where is where does he go? And and do you and I pick up Tevin Coleman? Not the worst handcuff in the world late. Um, I think – my feeling on Tevin Coleman is that if they're not going to drop Devontae Freeman after he got his big contract, then he's – then Tevin Coleman – That the, the idea that this is a platoon – is probably not, you know, people have said, like, it's a, people have said this, that it's a platoon. It's not a platoon. You know, he, he, it's just not. Now, Coleman, I believe, is going into a, I think is going into a contract here. And suppose, and I don't know, I, the one thing that does scare me is Atlanta's offense with, you know, they've lost Shanahan. They have Steve Sarkeesian, which doesn't exactly instill me a great deal of confidence. Um, but, I don't know. I, I think I think we're probably in a good position to take him, just because of what we are. But I wouldn't draft him in any other league. Who's going higher in drafts than should be? Who do you feel is an overrated player? I've seen Des Bryant at the top, in the bottom of the first, the top of the second rounds. His stats never seem to fit that, so I'd probably say him. Also, I, 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 it's hard for me to gauge what to do with LaShawn McCoy because I see him as high as the number three running back, and he just doesn't feel like that at this point to me. Where does Delvin Cook go for you? I know you, you, you have a little crush on Mr. Cook. I do have a crush on Mr. Cook. Um, my guess is beginning of the fourth, maybe the middle, to, maybe the end no, of the third. So does Kareem Hunt go before Delvin Cook? <sighs> Tough call. Um, well, you have both problem, of them on the board and I, you need a running back. Who, who are you picking? 
I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I don't know, to be perfectly honest. I would think I would go with Dalvin Cook, just because at least I've seen him a bit more, as opposed to Kareem Hunt, who I'm going strictly based on what everybody has told me, which is a little bit more difficult for me. And I know okay. Cook can catch out of the backfield. I don't know if Hunt. I don't know Hunt. I don't know if Hunt is a good receiver or not. I got to do a little bit more homework before my drafts. Fair enough. I am definitely going with Cook because I think that Andy Reid has a propensity for a quick trigger finger when it comes to his running backs. And they still have Chadrick West back there, a guy that played last year. Oh, speaking of which, where does Jamal Charles go? He Very, very late. He doesn't really go. Um, right now... He's a he's a pretty good very late round flyer because if C.J. Anderson disappoints again, but we don't really know what Charles has left. So even if he gets the position, I'm not sure that you're really that your expectations can be particularly high on him. Okay, uh, I I act, okay, and my last one for you, Eddie Lacy. Wouldn't take him. Um, At all. I think Rawls is the starter. I think they have some. They have another. I, I don't. I don't think he's worth it. Um, Seattle's always a tough team for me to gauge. They just are. I've always had trouble figuring out how to rate a Wilson, how to rate a Baldwin. Um, at least Lynch, I knew what I was getting. I don't have a clue. You know, with Lacey, who's been, you know, pretty much ate himself out of the league. And I don't know from a personality standpoint if he's going to handle being a substitute very well. I don't know. You know, he's a he just never developed into the running back that you thought that you thought he was going to be. And that happens. So a I think lot it's time for probably. Right? Oh yeah. So I'm going to ask you throw you a few names. We got about seven minutes left. All right. <laughs> Who is? Who is your biggest surprise quarterback? Matthew Stafford. Is he a surprise? A t- top three season. In the top three okay. this year. Okay, that would be a Are we going after him in fantasy this in a couple of weeks? Next week? We might. See, the thing is about the quarterbacks is there are so many. Remember, every team has to start one, and if you assume that four we're not going to pick, Goff, look, I like Brian Hoyer. I wouldn't mind having Hoyer. You know he's going to start in that offense. So you have Goff And you know you they're going to be behind. <laughs> right. You have Goff that you don't want. You got um, Savage that you probably don't want. You got whoever the Jets are starting who you don't want. And you probably don't want Tyrod Taylor with that concussion and now Nate Clements looking over his shoulder. So you got four guys. Nate Peterson. You, you also forgot Deshaun yeah, Kaiser. I don't mind getting Deshaun Kaiser as a late flyer. Like, more than the others. So, four guys that I definitely do not want. The other – oh, and Glennon. I'm sorry, five. There are five guys I definitely don't want. Other than that – 
What does that leave me? Twenty-seven quarterbacks. I'll get four. If Stafford happens to be the guy that drops at fourteen instead of Carson Palmer this year, that's fine. Remember, last year we got Matt Ryan at fourteen, so I'm okay with that. All right, what else you got? Roll, keep him rolling. Who's going to have the most fantasy points from the New Orleans Saints running backs? Wow, that's a great question. So they have Bernard, they have Adrian Peterson, they have Mark Ingram. I'm going to pick Adrian Peterson. And here's a question for you. Where do you pick him? Tough call. Yes, that's why I think around the sixth or seventh. I understand that. Smart ass. I think around the sixth or seventh round. Because Peterson also doesn't catch out of the backfield. Is he the highest one out of the three for you? Yeah, he is. I think by game five or game six, he'll be taking over as a starter if he's not already. I just think he's a better player than Mark Ingram. Okay. What else you got? Where do you, where do you draft Keenan Allen? You mean your favorite player? Um, he is. I think Keenan Allen goes I'm in the fifth round. This, I'm, I'm half asking this out of uh, <laughs> that low. Fifth round. Fifth round. I just don't believe he's going to stay healthy. Look, he's got talent, but you get your two starting quarterback, you get your two starting running backs, you get a wide receiver. Now you're in your fourth round. You get a if you have a Gronkowski, well, Gronkowski will be gone. Maybe an Olsen there. It, it also depends on how many people are in your league. Maybe a fourth or a fifth. Yeah, I think you can't keep you can't make him your number one wideout because you're putting too many eggs in one basket for that. But you can make him a number two. So if you're making him a number two, fourth or fifth round. You know me. I won't pick a quarterback until like the eighth or ninth round. So if I can use up all those spots. Okay, so we got uh, two minutes left here. I wanted to say a very happy birthday to my aunt out in Arizona turning 65. Happy birthday, aunt, too. I love you. Um, thanks for all that have been following along on the blog uh, here on the trip. And next week we're going to have our NFL preview at some undetermined time right now as that it will be a very interesting day with my first day back in the States and a whole lot of fantasy drafts. Uh, Seth, take it away. Oh, quick shout out to all the people who have given money to Houston, especially JJ Watt, who's raised over, you know, expected to try to raise 50,000. He's raised over 3.5 million. Les Alexander, $10 million. Chris Paul, I mean, uh, Jerry Hughes, a lot of these Houston-based guys really putting the money where their mouth is, which, you know, is certainly necessitated at a time like this. Um, next week's going to be interesting. Jake will be there. Layla may be there. Sean will be half asleep, but I'll be there. NFL preview next week. For Sean Palmer, this is Seth Cameron's on the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show. Have a good night, everybody. See ya. Bye-bye.